0: Sick with the slang. sick and for not for the for pain put some respect on my name the name what's up ladies and gentlemen boys and girls around the world I would like to welcome you back to the real talk with Zuby podcast on today's episode we've got on another brilliant guest she is an independent writer from the UK and this is Freya India welcome to the show
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: No doubt. Good to see you, Freya. So I've done a super brief intro right there, but for people who don't know who you are, please tell them a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so I'm a freelance writer. So I've written for places like The Spectator, The New Statesman, Unheard, The Independent. Um, But I'm pretty much exclusively writing on Substack right now. So I have a newsletter called Girls, where I'm talking about kind of the challenges facing girls and young women in the modern age whether it's social media or cultural shifts like the new kind of social justice culture that we're seeing or family breakdown kind of all of these new things in pretty much the last decade that have really impacted young women and i think are contributing to this kind of huge mental health crisis that we're seeing now
0: I hear that there's a lot that we can get into on a lot of these subjects. But tell me a little bit about your background. What is it that led you up to being where you are right now?
1: Yeah, so I started writing um at the start of the lockdowns. So during that really like politically charged time with the so the lockdowns but also Black Lives Matter protests, kind of that kind of woke social justice whatever you want to call it thinking was really amping up so I started commenting on that just pitching to places kind of writing about how divisive it was um how it was distracting us from real issues um but I started to find I was more interested in how that word worldview is kind of affecting young people's mental health so you know it's not good for you to have that worldview where everything is kind of the system is out set up against you um, and you're looking for kind of oppression everywhere. So I got into writing about mental health and then veered off from that into Gen Z's mental health crisis, was finding these huge kind of spikes in anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicide, all in kind of the early 2010s. Um, and then, yeah, I just started to make that my focus. And I've kind of been looking back over the last decade um, trying to figure out what's happened and how we got into this mess.
0: I hear that. What, what was your journey like prior to 2020? So before you made the decision, okay, I want to go out there and start putting my thoughts and ideas and my writings out there to the public. Um, I'm curious just to know, I like to know people's backstory because it often explains the way they think and how they shape their perspectives and what gets them even interested in different issues to begin with.
1: Um, I I wasn't a very political person. I didn't grow up in a family that was political at all. Um, but I think I went to university and it was very kind of left-leaning, socially liberal. Mm. Everyone kind of thought the same about the same issues. Um, and I would see the same kind of worldviews on social media, everyone repeating kind of the same mantras and supporting the same causes. Um, and I've said before, I'm kind of more of a reserved person. So I wasn't really joining in. I was just kind of observing that from afar. Um, And I think what really changed things was, uh, I went off social media. So I deleted Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. And I feel like those are the places where a lot of these kind of progressive, trendy, you know, whatever, everyone's commenting on the same things, it's all happening on those kind of left leaning platforms. So I distanced myself from those um, found people like Jordan Peterson, Douglas Murray, kind of found kind of alternative views to things. Um, and yeah, kind of started reading the other way. Um, and yeah, then the lockdown lockdowns happened. There was all the riots and everything just kind of went so extreme. And then ever since, I've just never gone back to thinking the way I thought before. Um, but I never really wanted to get my political views out there. I think I just more really liked writing um, and just wanted to publish things um, because I still like, I still don't think that I have all the answers or know the truth or anything. It's just I, I really enjoy writing in and of itself.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. So when did you leave university? Uh,
1: 2020. So just 2020.
0: Small. Okay. It's really fascinating. Um, it's interesting for me doing interviews and just having private conversations with people in the generation below me, right? I'm a millennial. Um, so talking to people who are in Gen Z, it's fascinating because, you know, I was in university from 2004 and I graduated 2007. So, you know, 13 year, 13 year difference then between when we graduated. But what's fascinating is when I was in university. And I get people asking me this a lot, you know, oh, was it woke or was there this or was that? And no one had heard of the word woke. No one knew what critical theory, well, like the none, none, all the stuff that people now talk about and they associate with universities. I know that in some countries and in some places and perhaps in some courses Mm -hmm. that has been infiltrating for many decades at this point, but it wasn't anything even remotely close to what people are dealing with now. And also just being that generation ahead when I was in school, you know, the first iPhone came out 2006, 2006, right? 2006, 2006, 2007. So it came out like when I was sort of midway through or towards the end point of that time period. So it's actually a very different experience for people who are complete digital. Let me not say digital natives because I'm a digital native in a way. Let me say internet and social media natives. Yeah, um, I think that's one of the biggest gaps between Gen Z and millennials, let alone Gen X. It's like from now on, all these children, teenagers, young adults—they don't know the world without the internet, without social media. Right? Like I'm 37 years old, but I completely remember when the internet was a brand new thing, when it was dial up, you know, someone couldn't be on the phone and you've also got someone on the internet at the same time. Right. <laughs> I remember when it took like hours to download an MP3, right. This is when, when I was in, when I was in like sixth form in school, if you wanted to download an album, you'd let it run overnight. Cause that's, that's just how yeah, long it, it took. Oh, you couldn't, you couldn't, <laughs> exactly. You couldn't, you couldn't stream videos. There was, you know, we had MySpace, mm. um, Facebook launched not worldwide, but it launched. Uh, I was actually in the first university in the UK that it launched into back in 2004. So I've been on Facebook since 2004, but that was my first year of university. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, no Instagram, very early days of YouTube. I think that kicked off around 2005 or so. So it's kind of it's fascinating because it, in some ways it seems like there isn't that big a gap between millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. Um, a, de- a decade doesn't it really doesn't feel that long, you know. Um, But in terms of that experience, just because of the technology, I think it's been totally different. And a lot of people don't really appreciate that we're in this brave new world now where every child that's born from now on um, is on the Internet, is on social media, is exposed to all these things. You see three-year-olds with tablets and they know how to use them. It's just a completely different world.
1: Did, did, Did you find that back then social media, did you feel like it was a good thing for you? Or did you feel like it was affecting your mental health or anything, or was it
0: okay? Like- well, let me tell you something. Another thing that's important for people to understand
1: mm-hmm. is
0: that the early iterations, MySpace, MySpace had no app because there were no smartphones. Yeah. So if you wanted to be on social media, you had to be in front of a computer. right yeah. And people don't. The idea that you walk around with a computer in your pocket with internet connection at all times—that's also new. So it's yeah. not just the internet; it's the It's the fact that people are walking around with it all the time. So early MySpace, um, well, all of MySpace, it's a website, right? It's not an app. You don't have a smartphone. You don't carry it around with you. Similarly, yeah, similarly, Facebook. If you wanted to go on Facebook, it's like, okay, let me go back to my dorm and check Facebook. There was no news feed, right? It was just profiles. You couldn't just like share your random opinions or whatever. It was just photos, events. Um, it It was far more simplistic. It was far less addictive. So that early iteration of social media, MySpace was absolutely addictive. Um, but if you wanted to be on it all day, you had to sit in a room all day whereas now people just walk around with these things that got notifications, news yeah. feeds, infinite scrolls. When I started on Facebook, there was no um there was also no li- wait, there were there were no likes. There were no likes either, yeah. right? So there wasn't the idea that you know you could like something and then people there's this sort of digital currency that people start competing for it yeah. was all just very it was all just very very different i think from about 2010 onwards is when oh, we've yeah. really seen the shift
1: i think the biggest shift was algorithms which was i i think most platforms got algorithms uh 2015 2016 was when they started to change it from kind of like chronological content that people are posting to we're going to track what content you would like to see and th- that i think is when social media got so toxic because it became you know they can track your personal insecurities and vulnerabilities and then serve you more of it whereas before it was very yeah I remember the early days of Instagram when I think it came out in 2010 no 2009 I think yeah and it was kind of wholesome it was just like people would post pictures of them like the beach or their dog or something. And it was just in chronological order of just your friends. And I do remember it shifting when my feed went from just what my friends were up to, to like very specifically becoming what I want to see or what I don't want to see, like played on my personal profile. I think that is the huge difference um, in terms of mental health and, mm-hmm. and how it affects you.
0: And then they they added stories because Snapchat yeah. was popping, so they added Instagram stories. And then TikTok has been popping. So a couple of years ago, like two years ago or so, they've added reels. So yeah, the experience is totally different. And just the fact that people are carrying it around with them, almost everybody at all times has their phone within arm's reach. We're almost cyborgs at this point, right? If you don't have your phone within arm's reach, you're probably in the sort of 20% of the population, right? People get anxious it just it just not being there. So I'm curious to know Freya. Um during your university time period what what was it like for for yourself and for the other young people around you just what was that experience like being in university and having all this technology available?
1: Um I think my university experience was very different to kind of what was sold to me. I feel like the perception of uni is that it's going to be wild and it's going to be you're told so much it's going to be like the craziest best years of your life which I'm sure it is for a lot of people but I feel like the time that I was at university um, a lot of this technology had already started to affect people and the way people students interact with each other Um, and you know I wasn't at uni I just left when the lockdowns hit. So I didn't have any of the kind of remote learning or anything. But even before that, I just had a sense that people were very distant from each other. And there wasn't much of, I don't know, I feel like older generations experience of uni was very different. Whereas this felt, it was very hard to kind of connect with people, to make friends. Um, It seemed like people were less interested in kind of drinking and going out. than I thought they would be so my experience kind of led me to think more about you know what's what's different about Gen Z and I've heard actually from academics now saying that it's getting even worse like younger people are getting more socially anxious they're not kind of meeting up going to events at uni they're just kind of sat in their rooms and obviously the remote learning makes that even worse so I feel like university culture has changed a bit as Gen Z have become more dependent on technology. Like I remember sitting in lectures, if you got to a lecture early or a seminar and everyone's on their phone. So they're all waiting for the lecturer to come in and no one's speaking or even looking at each other. Um, and that was like such a common in sp- experience in uni no one is kind of getting the group to talk to each other. And then the second your lesson is over, everyone leaves. And is walking out on their phone and i just don't feel like it would have been like that even five years before um so it's, it's kind of sad i feel like it, it misses some of that you know
0: yeah well the truth is that most adults are addicted to their smartphones this yeah. is not a gen z thing it's not a millennial yeah. thing like the majority of people who have smartphones and constant internet access are at least somewhat addicted to them. The average screen time I think is about four hours per day, right? Which means that for everyone doing two, there's someone doing six, right? For everyone (laughs) doing zero, there's someone doing there's Mm -hmm. someone doing eight. Um, And I, you know, I'm very, very conscious of this myself. And I'm a big, Mm -hmm. you know, social media person, right? I'm on all these apps I'm doing. I'm doing all the things that I do with my music and my podcasting and my books and so on. And I'm very conscious of it. And I myself, I have much better impulse control than the average person and I'm, I'm more disciplined. And mm-hmm. I fully admit, I'm also more honest. And I'm like, yeah, I'm somewhat addicted to my smartphone.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Cause the thing is it's people are now, you don't ever have to be bored anymore.
1: Yeah. I think that's right. Safe.
0: You're it, it, exactly right. You, you don't need to ever, even for 30 seconds, right? 30 seconds, you're coming out of the shower. I don't know. Someone's going, going to the bathroom. Someone's like, like if you, in a men's bathroom, like, you know, we, there, there's urinals, right? And a lot of guys will just in the time it takes to use the ur, like most guys will pull out their phone.
1: Really? And
0: yeah, most, 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 most people will do that, right? Most people take their phone into the bathroom. Um, most people have it on them all the time. Any lull, you're you're waiting in an airport, you're yeah. on a train, you're waiting for a bus, what you just said at university. Um, that's just what it is. I, I, I liken it to an adult pacifier. Right. Um, You don't have to have any moment of discomfort or awkwardness or silence, literally or metaphorically. There's just always this distraction and it takes um, it takes a very conscious effort to break that. For me, if I'm by myself and there's nothing going on, my, my my sort of parameters are like, look, if I'm just by myself or whatever, I'm sitting on a train, I'm waiting in an airport. I'll pull out my phone. I'll be doing whatever. That's the time I'm tweeting and I'm doing all my stuff. If I'm talking to another human being, if someone else is in my presence, I will not be on my phone. I will not be, and I turn all my notifications off. Otherwise, I'd just be getting pinged all, pinged all day long. So for me, those are the boundaries. And then every Sunday, I take completely off at least Twitter, um, sometimes social media as a whole, and I have that reset. And oftentimes, when it comes to Monday, I'm actually a little bit reluctant to log back in and start posting because as soon as you open that, the floodgates open up again.
1: No, I think that's so true about the discomfort thing. I think especially for Gen Z, like, we can get out of any uh, awkward silence or moment of uh, boredom instantly. And that's all we've ever known. And so like I was saying, if it's two people in a room, who don't know each other, they can diffuse the awkwardness by pretending there's something more interesting on their phone, whereas a few years ago, you would have to speak because it would be so awkward. One of you would have to try and say something. And I think that is really bad. Like our ability to avoid discomfort is really kind of stunting young people because when inevitably they do have to face discomfort in their life, they've not had those kind of small moments of practice of it, which I think you know build your social skills and build your resilience. And then if you do need to strike conversation with someone, you, you haven't practiced it. Like I read a statistic this week about um, the amount of young men who've never approached a woman. It was like 45% or something have never tried. And I think probably a big part of that is, you know, any kind of moments of discomfort, awkwardness, they could have just used their phone. They've never had to practice that, I'm gonna try and talk to someone. It's so sad.
0: Well, why should they? Because men and women are exactly the same.
1: That is true. <laughs> <laughs> this is what
0: so, okay. Mm-hmm. This leads, this actually leads into something interesting. So mm-hmm. when it comes to your generation, and of course, this is going to be based on your experience and generalities, but how do you think this evolution or devolution, this change, how do you think it's differently impacting males versus females?
1: What you mean, technological change?
0: Yeah, all of these shifts. Um, You can talk technology, you can talk society, culture. I think they're all intertwined. But what do you think? Obviously, there's going to be a difference between how it's impacting young men versus how it's impacting young women. There's going to be Mm -hmm. some overlap. Um, But what are your thoughts and observations on that?
1: Well, I think an interesting thing is the kind of political divide between men and women. Um, So recently the, the change in like worldviews between young men and young women has been insane so there was a study in the US showing that um, in 2021 44% of young women were identified as liberal in America versus 25% of young men but the decade before it was 27% of men and 30% of women so the gap is doubled I think it's the biggest gap They've seen in like 24 years of polling. Um, and it's the same in if you look in the UK, women are shifting far further to the left. You know, we're more likely to support political correctness and restrictions on free speech, and men are moving to the right. And I think that is a consequence of social media, is that men and women are being fed different content all the time. You know, we're being categorized by gender and it's pulling our worldviews apart. Um, so I think that that is a big consequence is that we're we're finding it less easy to relate to each other because we're not sharing, we're not even inhabiting the same reality. Our values are just completely diverging. Um, but I think in terms of like the mental health impact of social media, it affects boys and girls, but I feel like for girls, it's slightly more um, of an obvious impact because social media is like very visual platforms and I feel like that really kind of taps into girls competitive psychology and exploits it so you know it's really not good for young girls to be comparing themselves to other girls and women all the time every day whereas men don't really tend to be affected by that in the same way they are they are affected by it but I think the platform the most popular platforms specifically really play on young girls vulnerabilities and that's why we're seeing spikes in anxiety eating disorders self-harm um but young men's mental health as well is also spiraling um so i think both genders mental health is being impacted but the thing i'm really worried about is you know the ability of of men and women to kind of come together on those issues and talk about it and relate to each other, because I feel like these platforms are just pushing us further and further apart.
0: What do you think it is about you that's made you be able to resist this and combat it far more than the average person, not just the average person your age, I believe, but the average adult, regardless of their age. Um, I'm always curious, not just why people do things, but I'm mm. curious as to why people don't do things. And I think that question on a lot of issues is often not asked. I don't think it's particularly hard to understand why someone might you know, fall into alcoholism or why someone might uh, become a drug addict or why someone might do a lot of things that are not good for individuals or society. I don't find it particularly hard to understand why people do them because we have a natural sinful nature and certain proclivities if they're not kept in check and restrained, yeah. um, I think oftentimes the question that's not asked is like, okay, well, why do why do people not do that thing? Yes. Right? Well, what is it that protected, what were the guardrails for you based on your upbringing or your personality or the way that you think that makes it so that you are not a young woman who completely fell into that trap of Instagram and comparing yourself to everyone else and you've now got all these young women who are on, like, it's crazy. I've done um. I do so many different podcasts and I've appeared on so many. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you know, the amount of young women I've met who are on OnlyFans or who are doing this and that. And again, to me, it's kind of mind blowing. I'm, I'm almost feeling like this boomer, just like, you know, <laughs> back back in my day, right? You know, the girls were not, uh, you know, mm-hmm. using the internet to sell pornographic images. And like yes. I, it, the, the, the fact that that's even like considered like a normal thing that I can be at a table, you know, you know on these big podcasts and there's eight women and, you know, four of them are on OnlyFans. And in some cities, if you're in Los Angeles, if you're in Miami, certain cities, like it's, it's really common.
1: Really? Because I always think, is that, is that just... No,
0: it's common. It's common. Like there's, of course, there's going to be some um, self-selection that happens on certain podcasts and things like that, right? If you're watching certain podcasts, you're going to, it's not representative of the total population, but it is a much, much higher number. It's, It's way more common than I would have liked to believe um it's it's there's all these strange shifts and it's not just that it's happening but that it's the normalization of it the fact that in so many of these circles it's it's considered normal right it's like and and if you especially as a man if you as a man especially you know uh take some type of issue with it or you like you know what i don't want to date or marry a woman who's uh you know selling her booty pictures on whatever then people you know oh you're insecure or you're being judgmental or you're a dinosaur oh you're uber conservative or whatever i'm like is that uber conservative to not want your not want you know your girl putting that all out there like i think that's pretty reasonable and would be considered so by most people in the world but again i think this is that this is that split yeah that's that's happening um i it's it's funny you brought up that poll i i um a few weeks ago i saw that poll and i retweeted it and um i told <laughs> I, I said the uh, america you know young american men need to go get their passports ready right and a lot of american women took offense to this um it was funny because a lot of people i like it when i say something and then people kind of prove my point on things right so they're like, you know how dare you suggest that men should go abroad to find more conservative women or whatever i'm like look look i don't even think i even suggested it. i just said look this is what's going to happen right you're yeah. going to get way more men going abroad to find more traditional, more conservative women because that's not what's coming from their country and their culture. And people get mad at that. And I'm just like, hey, that's just what it is.
1: That's a far right opinion. You can't have that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, But yeah, sorry. I I went off on a little rant there. So what is it about you, in your opinion, that um, Um, allowed you to defend against this?
1: I mean, I I always put it down to personality, I think. I really, you know, the whole Jordan Peterson uh, personality, thing about um, you know you can kind of predict political opinions based on your personality traits and I think I have the personality traits which just predispose me to being more socially conservative like I've never had that phase of being left-wing liberal when I was younger I've just always naturally been slightly more conservative and I think that's just because you know I'm more conscientious I'm not very open to experience um I've just got those factors which kind of make me like that. And I think having those, having that personality and maybe a little bit more of um, a shyness and anxiety about things kind of helps because you don't kind of jump headfirst into the next trend. You know, I'm I'm a much more risk averse and wary of things. So I wasn't posting on social media all the time and I wasn't um, kind of partying and dating a lot because I was kind of anxious and reserved about it. But I think it kind of helped me to actually reflect on, you know, are these would these things be good for my well-being anyway? Um, and, I, and I think it's kind of unfortunate because a lot of these trends in society that are not very good for women's well-being, um, they, they glamorise so much that if you're like a really extroverted, sociable young woman, you're obviously going to be drawn to them because they're like the fun side of life. And you know the, the conservatives online who are kind of talking about these traditional values, it's just not as sexy, it's not as fun. If you're, you're kind of um, a young girl in, in the kind of prime of your youth, I don't think you're gonna find that as appealing as what the mainstream is selling you. Um, so I do think it really comes down to, to personality. Um, but I, I do think there are a lot of women who are resisting these things, but we don't see them or hear from them because they're usually not on social media all the time because of their personality.
0: Yeah. There's a natural filter and self-selecting bias with all of these things that can cause a lot of issues. Um, How much do you think your upbringing plays a role in this?
1: Yeah, probably quite a lot. Um, I just lived with my mom and my brother and we had quite kind of like an insulated life like we just spent a lot of time together a lot of family time Um, and I wasn't really the type to go on loads of sleepovers and go out with friends all the time so I think I developed a bit of an introversion which again kind of protected me from a lot of this stuff in mainstream culture because I just preferred to be on my own and kind of observe other people Um, so I think that helped but I also didn't have a very political kind of upbringing so I wasn't you know my family didn't go to university Um, I didn't have like a real educational background Um, whereas a lot of young girls who become like really woke or socially liberal as they get older I feel like they have their parents went to university and they were in that environment and those views are just kind of normal in their household whereas I kind of had sort of a bit of a blank slate with it you know my parents were not political and they just kind of let me explore and think about what I really believe which I think is a, a big privilege you know they weren't trying to enforce a worldview or a moral value system on me when I was younger and that really helped
0: that's interesting um does faith play any role there at all I don't know about I don't know your personal
1: um no my experience on that no, my family's not religious at all. Okay. Um, but I consider myself it's a bit cringe and everyone says it, but like a spiritual person. Like, <laughs> I know it's so cringe. That's but, the
0: Gen Z woman answer.
1: Yeah, no, but like I'm far more interested in religion and far more interested open to it than the rest of my family. Um, but I think that's through kind of exploring different political opinions and then people like Jordan Peterson, he was kind of like the gateway drug for a lot of people into Christianity. And so I'm, I'm exploring that a lot more, but yeah, no, I didn't grow up in a religious household.
0: Okay. No, it's, it's interesting because the thing is all of these things are um, all these things are connected. And I noticed something really, there's a lot of weird things I notice in our modern society and certain dialogues and narratives, which is There's a couple of them, and a few of them have come to mind as you've been as you've been speaking. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people may find this first one controversial. Uh, One thing I have certainly noticed is that modern Western society is very afraid of slash hesitant to correct women in particular. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um,
0: We're not shy about correcting men and boys. But when it comes to correcting bad behavior in women, it's always uh, you know, people want to jump down your throat or say that you're being misogynistic or you're being unfairly judgmental or you know, you're 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 being mean, basically, right? If you yeah. if a woman is selling her body on OnlyFans or is, you know, straight up, you know, doing pornography or whatever, and someone is like, yeah, that's bad, or even just says, um, yeah, I don't want to be with a woman like that. Or the yes. guy says, yeah, I don't want to be a woman who's, you know, slept with every guy on the block or what, you know, it's, oh, are you, you're insecure, you're shaming her, you're like, it's, it's very odd, right? I think it's very yeah. clear, you know, w- women can be very clear and public with their preferences with men. They can come out and say, hey, I want a guy, it might even be completely deluded. I want a man, I'm only going to be with a guy who's six foot two plus and he earns like a quarter million plus a year and he's amazing and he's got a six pack and he's completely loyal and he's, you know, And it's like, yeah, you go, girl. You deserve that, right? You're a queen. You know, don't don't settle. Don't settle, girl. Don't settle, right? Mm -hmm. And then a man is like, yeah, I'd like a young woman who's pretty and sweet, and you know, will cook me a meal and be kind. And it's like, oh my gosh, why why don't you get a dog, right? Why why are you trying to, you know, you want her barefoot and naked? You want her barefoot and pregnant? And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's very odd. So that's one thing I've just generally noticed. Um, But then another thing I've noticed. Go ahead.
1: No, I'm just going to say, I've noticed that as well, because I, I wrote a piece about, um there was a statistic about the rise in women cheating on men. So like since 1990, the number of women cheating on men has risen by like 40%. It was a study like that. Interesting. And the article framed it as like progressive, like it was like reparations <laughs> where they were saying like, you know, it's women reclaiming their bodies and their power. And the whole thing was like, oh, it's forgivable because you're female and we've faced depression before. So now any bad behavior that you display is acceptable, Yeah. Um, which I think is is such a disservice to young women themselves, because, you know, we need to set some actual guidance of, you know, this is not good for your well-being or other people's. But instead, we just say, oh, you know, whatever you do is empowering and we'll support it.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I find what and I'm this is not me trying to even remotely sort of play the men or the victim's card or whatever, but I have noticed a trend both in left-wing circles and in right-wing circles of mm-hmm. um, always putting the responsibility, accountability and blame on men. Yeah. Like no no matter what the situation is, no matter the circumstances, right? Somehow mm-hmm. it I don't it always comes back to the man, right? If uh, if a wedding if a wedding goes wrong and people get divorced and you know the man gets screwed over or loses, good, oh well he should have picked better, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Um, if the woman cheats on the man, uh, well you know was he he was probably abusive or he was he was emotionally uh you know unavailable or he was this or he was like what did the man do wrong, right? Obviously if a man cheats like you know the man did wrong and no one has a problem with saying yeah the, no one, if a if a man cheats on a woman no one is going to be like blaming well, no, no, like it's far less common. Someone's going to yeah. blame the woman. It's like the man yeah. is a scumbag. He did the wrong thing. He broke his vows, whatever. If mm. a man, if a man impregnates, you know, impregnates a woman, people like, you know, well, he should have, you know, and now he has to pay child support and he's on the hook for that. It's like, yeah, good. He should have controlled himself. You know, be yeah. careful where you put your thing, whatever. If a man goes out and says, yeah, a woman should be careful with, a, you know, what, you know the men, the men that she's sleeping with, or she should not shouldn't be getting knocked up by random men. She's not committed to or married to, or what? It's like, you're your, your. How dare you? Yeah, how dare how you? How dare you? Right? And mm-hmm. it's so fascinating how in all these conversations, it's always lopsided, right? It's, think, it's just always lopsided.
1: Do you think some of that is natural? Because I find I find myself doing that sometimes, where I, <laughs> I, I just feel like if I'm talking about young women. I'm like, okay, we have to think about how society, how they've been raised since they were little girls to with this culture and it's led to this. And I, I feel like is that because we have empathy for women? We, we care for women emotionally more. I, I wonder if some of that is natural.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And men themselves, uh, men have a natural, hard built thing to protect women and children.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. Women have an instinct to protect children. Men mm-hmm. have an instinct to protect women and children. Yeah. And that's not something that's inherently bad. And it's something that's always been recognized. But, you know, man, there's, there's so many interesting things we can talk about because I have so many thoughts on this subject.
1: Mm-hmm. I, th-
0: I think one of the big problems that we're sort of experiencing right now in the Western world is we have a one we have one foot culturally in traditional Christian um mm-hmm. conservative values and ways of doing things plus our natural biological hardwiring and then we've also got this foot in this totally secular hyper individualistic yeah. very narcissistic and selfish just you whether you're a man whether you're a woman just live for yourself do your own thing yeah. everything's about you it's me 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 right no sacrifice no honor no duty right the yeah. idea of duty has gone completely out the window but People kind of like pick and choose based on what they want, right? So, you know, it's interesting. You talked about that thing of um, 45% of young men having never approached a woman. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to something like that, or when it comes to paying a bill, or when it comes to, uh, you know, who pays for the meal, or who asks the person out on a date, who, who proposes all these things, it's all, it's all in the traditional world. The expectation yeah. is the man approaches the woman, the man initiates the man proposes the man provides the man pays for the meal whatever it is even the most hardline feminist wants the man to pay the bill yeah. when the check comes okay um and so so there's that foot and you know you know men sh- so there's this attitude of chivalry right what, what you know there's this attitude of chivalry and but then at the same time when it's not convenient yeah people throw that all away and men and women are identical and they're exactly the same and they should be like, everything's and i'm just like look these things do not and i think it's very deranging for people i think there's a lot of young men growing up right now and to me this is obvious and they don't know what their role is yeah they don't know they're like wait am i supposed to take this traditional protector provider um presider role
1: mm-hmm. and
0: be chivalrous and recognize that women are the weaker sex and there are certain expectations and i should be protective and defensive and i should you know i should hold open the door and i should open like am I meant to do that? And I I do pay for the meals. And I do like, am I meant to do that? Or uh, you're also at the same time being sold the narrative that like, well, actually women are in, totally independent. They don't even need you. They 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 don't need no man. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, boss girls, you know, city girls, we up what, like that. So it's like, I think for a lot of young men now, especially given that you have so many young men now growing up without proper father figures or fathers yeah. themselves. And I think there's, I I, I know this because I speak to these guys and There's so many people who are just like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. For as much as people can criticize the way things used to be historically or the way things are around many parts of the world, most of the world, um, it was always clear throughout all of human history what your role is as a man and what your role is as a woman. Someone might say that that was too restrictive or it was oppressive or it was this or it was that, but it was just like, look, you're a man, this is your job. You're a woman, this is your job. Yes, there's some overlap. There's some room for you know, there's some room for individual, individuality and personality and all that, but it was just clear. It was yeah. just clear. And the truth is when you give people infinite choices or you expand people's choices, it doesn't make them any happier. No, right? no. It doesn't make them happier, right? If someone gives you a menu with 10 items on it and they're like, all right, pick out of these 10 items uh, versus someone gives you a menu with 500 items, you yeah. always are going to think in the second scenario, it's hard to believe that you made the right choice.
1: Yeah, you're just, And you're
0: just- this extends to, yeah. And this extends to everything. This extends to people's attitudes towards dating,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, with, you know, with hookup culture and Tinder and all these social media apps and whatever, it's very hard for a man or a woman to, you know, you, you, you see this, people always think, Oh, I can do better. Or there's more options out there. Oh, look, ooh, look at her, look at her, look at this, look at that. It's like you're just swiping. And, and I think as well, because of the male female dynamics, this is the last point I'll make here. And then I'll let you jump in and see what you think. Um, I've noticed, and again, people, people are so hesitant to talk honestly about these things, but um, th- something that a lot of women don't understand, and I've explained this to some, some young women before, it's, is that just because a man is sexually interested in you does not mean he's interested in having any type of serious relationship with you. Yeah. So I think oftentimes young women will see all of this, inf- like literally thousands, sometimes tens of thousands, sometimes millions of men who are giving them attention online and they think oh i have all of these options available the truth is out of those thousands and thousands of men it might be like 10% have like any sort of serious uh potential intent or idea or whatever like men, men are horny men are thirsty right like men are... <laughs> it, it, it's just it's how males males are wired but i think that people have this illusion that they have infinite options and possibilities and whatever and so as well. Go ahead.
1: Unlimited yeah, go ahead. time to explore. Mm-hmm. Like I think, oh, as soon as I want to settle down, I'll have the option. Whereas mm-hmm. maybe like you said, maybe a, a lot of the men who are interested in you are not interested in settling down. Um so yeah but like you were saying about um men not knowing how to behave, dating, I think women, a lot of women don't know how to behave either. Because we're kind of getting two conflicting messages whereas You know, there's some people saying, oh, men want a really sweet kind of quiet, traditional woman. But then you're getting messages from culture saying, no, you have to be independent. Otherwise, you're going to get your heart broken. You have to be kind of more emotionally detached. And we're in this kind of dating culture where you, you kind of do have to put on a bit of a front. You do have to, you know, if you're kind of more of a hopeless romantic person, you're very likely going to struggle in the modern dating market and I think you know a lot of women do feel like they have to put on this front and be more going to play it harder to get and be a bit more kind of hyper independent I don't need you kind of thing and for, for a lot of women that is not their natural you know it's not my natural personality but the modern kind of dating landscape kind of demands it of you and so I feel like a lot of women, as well, are like, "How do I behave? Do I do I go that route where I'm kind of romantic and sweet and caring for this person who might hurt me, or do I do the whole girl boss thing and just try and avoid hurt as much as I can?" Which I don't think works, but it's so confusing for both.
0: For yeah. both. It's very confusing, and people don't. Increasing numbers of people, sadly, don't have don't have guidance on these things. Mm. Right? There's more people than ever growing up without both parents. There's more people than ever growing up without any sort of solid religious or otherwise moral guidance. And then you yep. add on top of it, the perverted culture and the technology and all of these new things. And it's like, it, it, it's amazing to me when people a- sort of ask the question, you know, why, why, is, why are so many people struggling with depression and anxiety? Why is mental health problems going up, whatever? I'm like, it's freaking obvious. Mm. Right. We're living in this time where people don't want to say things that are obvious.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I I feel this on every issue. That was the other point I was going to make is like, no one wants to connect dots and just speak honestly and frankly about these things. Right. It's not a mystery. You don't need all these social scientists and a gazillion studies and whatever to explain things that have actually been known all throughout human history. Right, mm-hmm. like I'll see stuff. I'll see a clip from a podcast, or I'll see some study, or some you know tweet that's meant to be profound. You know, talking about the idea of like, or, or just asking, what you know, does a, you know, is it better for a, a child to have, you know, does do, do children really need fathers? It's like, well, you know, what do you mean by the word need? Right? It's always like it, it, you you go into Jordan Peterson mode, right? It's like, well, is <laughs> can someone like survive without? Yeah, well, yeah, obviously someone can survive without. Yeah having you know a mother or a father or or even either right orphans exist um but what is optimal what should people be aspiring towards what should we be aiming towards um and no one wants to have any of those conversations and as a result it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and no one is being honest with each other men are not being honest about their expectations in women women are women are being more honest about their expectations in men but even still, they might not want to express certain concerns or certain vulnerabilities, right? Because they don't want to be the odd one out. It's like, okay, well, this is the culture. Let yeah. me just jump into this and play the same game. Like my view on this, uh, in terms of gender dynamics is like, I think both men and women should have high expectations of each other yeah. and should strive to do their best as individuals to live up to reasonable expectations. Nobody is going to be perfect. There's always going to be issues. Not everyone is going to meet certain standards, whatever the case may be. But just because it's hard to meet a standard doesn't mean a standard does not exist. Yeah. Right. Just because it's hard to stay in shape and to eat a good diet and whatever doesn't mean that it's just as good to be obese and unhealthy and unable to walk a mile as it is to be in good shape. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just seems like across Western society on every single thing, the standard is just dropping right and people criticize you even if you have standards if a if a woman says she has standards right like i i see it in both directions A man saying look these are my standards for a woman somebody is going to try to attack him or make it seem like he's some kind of he's a misogynist or he's a jerk or he's uh deluded or he's misogynistic whatever it is and if Mm -hmm. a woman is like look these are these are my standards then people are going to try to use other words to, you know, shame her or you're a a prude or you're a dinosaur or you're this or that. Like there's just all this manipulation going on towards things that are just very – things people innately know. And it's like we're we're constantly trying to fight against things that we know and we've known for millennia and it's our natural inclination and proclivity. And we're all – and I think that's what's causing a massive amount of depression and anxiety because people are not – actually living uh in tune with either their own biology nor their own internal moral compass people are doing things that they know they know they're not right they know they don't really make sense they know it's like you know you're you're meant to walk around the world all day long with views that are completely contradictory i'm simultaneously supposed to believe that men and women are very different and they're identical and they're both social constructs i'm being demanded to believe all those three things at the same time
1: yeah masculinity is toxic but it also doesn't exist at the same time it
0: does (laughs) no but also but also it's good in women it's bad in men but it's good in women
1: yeah yeah. oh it's an if 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 a woman is uh empowered she's toxically masculine she's got all of the toxic masculinity traits she'll be like hyper promiscuous super independent Aggressive. Yeah, that's. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think I wrote a piece recently about some of this stuff like gender discourse online. And, you know, I was kind of thinking a lot of these people who are driving these debates are probably the people who've been most hurt by relationships in their life because they're the most they're saying the most extreme version of the take. Yeah. And then we're here like and like you're saying, a lot of Gen Z growing up without. Um, good role models parents who've stayed together so they're getting all of their advice from people who have had like terrible divorces or really bitter resentful marriages and it's just not like I'm I was saying in the piece like I'm so sick of being told that there's no if you have high standards that that's impossible because I feel like like you said any a man or a woman expresses, you know, I want someone who's loyal to me, you know, the, the bare minimum, <laughs> a decent person, you know, I, That's I not like...
0: realistic, Freya. All, all yeah. men cheat. All, yeah, men. Exactly. all men, especially high value men, they all cheat.
1: Exactly. And you, you'll literally get a response like that. And even if, if you express a preference, like, oh, I would quite like the guy I'm dating not to be addicted to online porn. That would be quite nice. <laughs> They're like, how dare you have such, like, who do you think you are? Like, and i just feel i feel really sorry for not just my generation but the generation below me who because i've seen this gradually and you what well, as well i've seen this gender stuff gradually get worse but they're going to go straight onto tiktok and get served the most extreme content immediately maybe even before they've ever spoken to a girl or a boy or tried to have a relationship they're going to be on like read it for and seeing the most bitter resentful people tell them about men and women and yeah it's just I really do feel like it amplifies the people who are really wounded and we're taking that and making it our world view when it's just not you know there are good people out there who and there is still romance and loyalty but we're just not seeing it.
0: Yeah. Misery loves company. Um, I, I've very much seen that. Look, it it does make complete sense on everything, right? This could be religious, this could be political, this could just be social views, whatever. It's always been the case that people want other people to think like them. Yeah. Um, and there's not something that's sort of inherently wrong with that. I think in regards to what you're talking about specifically, one of the big problems with social media and even all of these podcasts and YouTube and all that is that Look, when we're talking about, say, male-female relationships, the vast majority of happily married and functional couples are not spending tons of time on Twitter and Instagram and podcasts and whatever. And if they are, they tend to be quite private about Mm -hmm. their social lives. Even if you think of the biggest uh, social and cultural commentators out there or lots of You know, the celebrities that do have functional marriages and whatever, they tend to be quite private about their private life. Yeah. And there's a good argument that they should be. Um, But the downside of that, if you want to call it that, is people then only get the one side, right? They're, They're getting one side of the story, right? They're hearing from all the people, as you said, that it didn't work out or, you know, the women who got hurt by guys, the guys who got hurt by girls, you know, it's you see certain people going on certain rants, and there's almost that cliche response of like, who hurt you, bro? Or like, yeah, who hurt no, girl, yeah. who hurt you? And, and it's, it's true, though. Like, it's true. Like, I see certain things, like some of the feminist rants I see, or some of the red pill rants I see. And I'm like, this person has very, very, very obviously, sadly, yeah, right, yeah. been really hurt by someone like their ex screwed them over. Like, they they've clearly had bad experiences, but then they take that and they extrapolate it across the general population. Well, it's right? almost
1: a defense mechanism because if you say if you if you turn that hurt into a whole worldview, then you can say, oh, it, it wasn't because of me. It, it, this is just how men are. Rather than like dealing with the uncomfortable reality is someone hurt you, you can then say, actually, all women are going to get hurt. Um, but yeah, it, I've noticed it so much, like the some of the most prominent influences on this if you kind of go back through their history they'll have some kind of story some kind of horrific story of being hurt um and have kind of like turned that into their personal brand Um, but you know it's just so many people taking them seriously and thinking and having such a negative view of dating and the future and i've written about um, kind of like the the narrative of marriage for example That's served to young women. The mainstream culture is just like delay it as long as possible if you're going to get married. If you do get married, it's going to be a threat to your kind of personhood and your self-actualization. You know, your finding yourself is going to end the second you get married. Like there's all those TikToks, I don't know if you've seen of like women putting on a wedding ring and then they're suddenly washing up.
0: All those things that you don't have to do like as a single yeah. person
1: right yeah but that's kind of like the dominant narrative like and girls and young women are just hearing that they're not there's not like you said the healthy marriages people in with um good relationships with their wives or husband they're not talking about it because they're busy working on their relationship and <laughs> you know doing yeah. things that actually matter
0: yeah and then on the male side there's the exact same thing. The messaging is a little bit different right um mm-hmm. but both sexes are being put off each the opposite sex in general but yeah. particularly long-term relationships and particularly marriage um so
1: for men, is it, is it the whole, so a young men getting the whole alpha male kind of go off on you no way? it's
0: not it, no it's not it's not alpha male it's not that, that's not the thing, right? The message is, and you know, cause the thing is it's rooted. In fact, marriage does need to be fixed yeah. in the West. Marriage is broken in the UK. It's broken in the USA. It's broken in many countries. Like I said, there's this foot in the traditional world and mm-hmm. then there's this foot in modernity. And there are things that are just facts, which I wish they were not facts, right? Yeah. The truth is in the USA, the divorce rate is 40 to 50%. Mm. right? That is a fact. It is a fact that women initiate about 80% of all divorces. It is yeah. a fact that almost all alimony, child support, whatever falls on the burden of men, right? So if you just take even those couple data points yeah, and you're a young man and you're like, okay, imagine, the, okay, t- take this outside the realm of like marriage and, rela- and relationships, right? If this were just like a contract yeah. If we're just like a business deal would I sign this right is this like a wise move and the honest rational answer would be like no yeah. unless you've got some type of protection or you've got certain things that are working towards you which are going to completely change the odds and this is the part of the conversation that you know red pillars often ignore right so they, there's the partial truth but then there's the hiding the rest of it whereas you know there's many demographics there's places where you can drop these odds very, very, very significantly, right? Just because there's a 40% obesity rate doesn't mean I have a 40% chance of getting obese, right? But there's that level of self-awareness. So look, my actual view on a lot of this stuff, and I I see that many, many more of these conversations are happening and becoming popular. It's making people uncomfortable and people don't like the narratives that are being pushed. I personally think that it's good long-term. I think it's um, uncomfortable short term, but I think Mm -hmm. in the long term, it's good because these concerns are being put on the table, right? I think it's, I I don't really like the idea of like hiding facts and information from people so that they make the decisions you want them to. It's kind of like what they did in the whole pandemic, right? Rather than just telling people the truth and giving people real data and real statistics, let's just hide it and whatever so that they do and comply with the things they want them to. Right, yeah. so there will be people who get upset that I even sort of said some of those statistics, right? Oh my gosh, I can't believe Zuby said that. You know, forty percent of forty percent plus of marriages end in divorce, and women initiate the vast majority of of them, right? You're not supposed to say that, Zuby. I thought you were pro marriage. I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were a conservative. I thought it's like right. So I'm not. So I'm supposed to just pretend that the situation is not what the situation is. I'm supposed to hide facts and data from people. Yeah. So the, you, you you see what I mean? So I don't I don't like that approach. I think you put the facts, the data, the statistics, the concerns, you put you put everything on the ter- on the table. Yeah. You find out what what is it that men are scared of or concerned about? What is it women are scared of and concerned about? What are the current laws? Let's have a look at the laws. Let's see if they make sense. Let's look let's look at all of this stuff. Right? We
1: can talk and, about what they're concerned about but not men.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? If I tell people that marriage is not a good deal for a lot of men, people get mad at me. Yeah. And I'm like, look, there are things in the culture. There are things in the law. There are things in religiosity. There are things in society. There's so many things that need to be amended, right? Like, and I, my, my view is, you know, cause I've kind of got this, I'm very red pill aware, but mm. I'm also a Christian and I'm more from a more conservative, traditional background and, the divorce rate across my wider family is close to zero so but i but i understand other people's concerns because even when i talk about certain issues here's another thing i've noticed which is that i think we live in such a solipsistic culture and such a me 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 culture yeah. that people can't separate conversations about society and culture oh, versus them. things about yeah versus things yeah. about themselves or an individual so i say some of these things and someone might think that Oh, you know, Zuby, I, I'm scared of you know, I'm scared of relationships, or I'm scared of this. I'm like, dude, like, no, I'm. I have concerns. A lot of the things I'm talking about right now, I'm like, a lot of this stuff doesn't apply to me, or yeah. it applies to me a far lesser deal than it applies to the. I'm. I'm not. Not in any sort of arrogant way. I'm not the average man.
1: Yeah. yeah. In terms
0: of many things, yeah. right? Like, I, I'm. I'm not average. So, but I'm like, look these are the concerns average people have right this can be anything it can be societal societal it can be political it can be whatever um and i'm expressing in an empathetic way i'm like look i'm talking to these thousands of people around the world and i'm hearing what people are saying and these are the things that these are the conversations that are happening these are things that are bugging them these are their worries these are their concerns and people want to like put that on you or people want to individualize it to themselves. And that's another reason why it's so hard to have conversations because people take things so personally. If I say that it's be- if I say it's good for someone, you know, a child to have a father, then someone's like, Oh, well, I didn't have a father. And you know, I- are you saying that I'm a bad person? Or are you saying that i
1: Yeah.
0: like, bro, I'm not talking about you. Sis, I'm not talking about you. I'm, I'm saying like, as a society, look, again, here are some statistics. Here are some data. Here are things we know here. Even without the data, these are just things we know. Two is more than one, right? So all yeah. other things equal. The
1: right. divorce topic is so... I, when I first I first wrote a piece for The Spectator about um, the, the, the glamorizing of divorce, so I'd seen like Adele had made it like part of her personal brand that she was getting divorced. She had like divorce merchandise, <laughs> like a catchphrase and everything. So I wrote so, about it just saying like, you know, we know the data we know that kids from divorced families are worse off by pretty much every metric so maybe we shouldn't glamorize it and the response i've never had such a negative response to anything i've written about before where people were just like Mm -hmm. reeling off their personal stories like you know my dad was abusive my mom was like this if they hadn't have divorced But it's like, I wasn't even talking, I wasn't even saying, you know, it should be illegal to divorce. I was just saying, maybe celebrities shouldn't glamorise it to young people. And even that, it was such a crazy response. So I think it's those issues, you know, when they're just a bit close to home, like they're just so personal that people can't cope when when you state objective statistics about it. Because like, Every time I've researched Gen Z's mental health crisis and tried to figure out what's going on, every topic comes up except family breakdown or divorce. Like all of these big reports, all of these academic studies, they talk about... There was an article in The Guardian recently talking about young women's unhappiness. And they were talking about the cost of living crisis and 11-year-olds like kind of saying, oh, they're worried about the cost of living, which I get... Yeah, kind like change anxiety. There's obviously working class people are very worried about it, but and a specific 11 year old girl, you know, I would think something like if their mum and dad are talking to each other would be more of an issue than climate change or the cost of living or getting on the housing ladder. Mm-hmm. Like, but those are the issues that get the attention because I feel like something like divorce is just too personal, so people just won't go near it. They refuse to. Yeah.
0: And the more common and normalized it becomes, Mm. the more people who are directly connected to it and the more people, sorry, and the more people who take it personally. So it gets shut down even more. Our podcast today is sponsored by The Wellness Company. Did you know that nearly 90% of pharmaceuticals in the US are produced overseas? That's an alarming statistic. If you don't have an emergency kit on hand, it's time to get prepared the wellness company's medical emergency kit contains eight potentially life-saving medications that every single american should keep in stock it comes with a 22-page instruction guide on safe medical use for everything from snake bites to covid to bioterror events another stellar product from the wellness company is spike support whether you got vaxxed or not the virus is still among us in some capacity as well as the related spike protein spike protein can cause brain fog tissue damage blood clots and more Spike support is a detoxification powerhouse that aims to strengthen the body's natural immunity and flush out spike protein, so you can get back to that pre COVID feeling. Get both of these products by going to twc.health forward slash Zubi and get fifteen percent off with the discount code Zubi. That's Twc.health forward slash Zubi, and use discount code Zubi to get fifteen percent off. Disclosure the medical emergency kit is only available to US residents. Um so, so that's what I mean where I say that I understand people's discomfort with these conversations. I myself don't like, I don't like having them. You know, I wish we lived in a much more sane and perfect world and we didn't even need to sort of think about these things so yeah. much. Um, but I'm also, and I don't wanna like black pill my audience, right? I don't want people to listen to things I'm saying and hear because what people interpret in their brain can be very different to what you're yeah. saying. I don't yeah. want people to say, "Oh, Zuby is now anti-marriage," or Zuby is a uh, this, or he's you know trying to tell young men this. Or, I'm like, look, just be aware of the facts, be aware of the statistics, be aware of the challenges.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you know, well, number number one, make make wise decisions. But like, I can't think of many. I can't think of many situations <laughs> where 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 being kept in the dark is
1: better, yeah. better
0: than knowing the truth and the reality right it's good to be aware of the challenges and the pitfalls that other people have gone through and fallen into sometimes um and we can learn from all these stories right people who are sharing their bad relationship stories or their bad experiences that can if you again has to be filtered that has to be has to, people have to interpret things the right way and a lot of people don't it's like you can learn i'm constantly learning from other people's mistakes every day of my life i'm learning from other people's mistakes and other people's successes right you're looking at all these different situations okay, okay. where di- where average. did you go ahead
1: you're not average average people i don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like you you learn from these things and it, it's interesting because again you know we have this year of accountability. And it's so interesting what you said about you writing that article and getting all that backlash. Mm-hmm. I've seen the same thing as in the, in these conversations. The thing that women always jump to is abuse. Yeah. Right. Or what, what, what about abuse? Some men are abusive. Da, da, da. Again, this is not going to make me popular to say, but I, I, I wouldn't say this to an actor. I wouldn't say this to a woman, but I've noticed that in those type of situations, mm. no one, no one is going to be like, well, don't, you know, you, you picked the wrong guy. Why did you marry oh, yeah, you a can't. man who is abu- right? Like, oh my gosh, you're a victim blaming, you're blaming your misogynist. But again, on the flip side, if a man marries a woman who like is crazy or it's like, well, dude, why did you marry? Why did you marry that woman? And it's like, you know, there's, there's truth on all yeah. different angles. We want, we want to have this sort of binary view that, Um, and this, this goes so far beyond the, the, the gender conversations, um, you know, on the thing that is actually binary, like biological sex, um, apparently it's all a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then the things that are actually a spectrum, nope, those are just binary, right? Either you're on the left or you're on the right, right? (laughs) You know, it's it's weird. We're sort of oversimplifying things that are complicated and massively overcomplicating things that are very simple.
1: Yeah, no, that is so true. do you think, like, do you have an optimistic view of of marriage? And do you think it's gonna kind of swing back? So we have this time where we're we're already struggling and we talk about it, and then people put in more effort and that because it's too it's depressing. But I, I don't know. Do you think it's marriage can be saved?
0: It, well, my first answer is yes. Can marriage be saved? Yes. Mm-hmm. Of course it can. Yeah. Um this is a thing human beings are very much in control of. We have we have free will. Um, I, I've developed quite a few thoughts, and I've actually had my perspective shifted on this thing quite a lot, um, just from learning more and having so many conversations over the years and thinking about it. Um, I have I I do not think like, like my my perspective as well is going to come from a more religious and traditional perspective. To me marriage is a religious institution it's it's a covenant yeah right? it's not just a piece of paper yeah, or no. whatever um and i don't think that i don't think that totally secular marriage works Mine. i don't think this idea that we can take god and religiosity and christian values out of everything in society and it's all going to keep functioning works it doesn't work. I think that experiment has been tried and I think it is massively failing people. And I don't think anyone wants to admit this because, oh, you're being a Bible basher or you're you know, bringing God into a secular conversation. I'm like, guys, some things just do not work if you blow out the foundations, yeah. right? So, because all you're left with is like, okay, if I think of marriage from the totally secular perspective, as a young man who was successful, Without any religious beliefs or whatever, look, I absolutely think I've reached this conclusion. Again, I'm not happy to say this, but say you've got a young man, especially a young man who is somewhat successful or is on the path to being, Mm -hmm. if you are not religious, and especially if you're not particularly interested in having children, I don't think there's any good reason to get married.
1: Yeah, I can see that perspective. I can see it.
0: There is no good reason. It's all risk and no upside.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that equation is very different if you have a religious faith Mm -hmm. and or um children are coming to pick from the totally secular perspective it's like what's 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 the point right there's no there's no point i even even from a female perspective it's like well you've got a lot of young women who are like you know i don't i'm not even interested in having children yeah it's like well if you don't want children like why why get married like i i I, 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 don't, I don't see the point. It's like, well, because now all it is is you're signing a contract with the government, um, which you can be punished if either person breaks it and there's not really any upside. At that point, it's like, well, you, you could just like be in a relationship and not get the government involved. You can whatever. So this this is the way the sort of incentives have changed mm-hmm. over time. The incentives have changed over the years. And I think both on the sort of traditional conservative side, people don't generally want to address this properly. And then on the sort of totally secular side, people don't want to address this properly. And it's all just it's all just messy. So I, I think it can absolutely be fixed. I do think certain laws, I think the laws need to be changed. Yeah. I don't think the laws are fair. The laws around divorce and child support and all that in many Western countries, they are not, they're not fair. They're biased against men. The courts are biased against men. Anyone who's honest is Going to agree with this, like divorce lawyers themselves are going to agree with this, it's not fair. Um, So, if you're going to have this, and then you're going to have no fault divorce where nothing even needs to fundamentally go wrong or anyone breaks the contract or whatever, and at any time you can just be like, ah, you know what? I'm bored. I'm not happy. Um, I met somebody else. You know, the little secretary, my young secretary is looking hot, or, (laughs) you know, oh, the pool boy is fit or whatever. And you can just, to me, it's a bastardization of the entire institution. It's like, well, what even is it at this point? Like, it's just.
1: Well, I, like, yeah, I yeah. think it, it's, it's almost like um, become part of consumer consumer culture where your partner is like an accessory to you that is there to kind of support you in your journey through life. And the second that you find something better, you can just dispose of them. And, and like I've seen people like talk about their divorces and kind of, the language they use, like Adele said, Oh, I'm not miserable, miserable. But she literally said, I'm going to voluntarily dismantle my child's life in pursuit of my own happiness. Like she literally just, wow she was on it.
0: That sums it up. That sums up the culture.
1: Yeah. And because people viewing it like, yeah, an accessory to your own self-actualization and the second that your partner threatens that in any way, you know, threatens who you your true calling or identity then you can dispose of them and find a better option and as i do agree with you i think there's something about marriages in secular consumerist societies especially like now you consider gen z who've grown up in on dating apps where they literally just swipe through people block people ghost people like treat people
0: like a catalog
1: yeah just like products how on earth are you supposed to have a meaningful committed relationship where you stick by them, even if they're getting in the way of your own, because that happens sometimes in a relationship, you'll have like ups and downs in it. And I just think I'm quite pessimistic about it. I can't see how marriage can be saved. I just think
0: it's,
1: it's the culture.
0: Do do you know what I think, do you know what I think will happen and perhaps should happen in Mm -hmm. the long term is I think it'll actually move back to, and I think there's some elements of this already happening because what's what's happening if you look at the stats is marriage rates are dropping, but divorce rates are also dropping at the moment.
1: But isn't, so isn't I that think, people live together and they split up?
0: Well, yes, but I think what's going to happen is the people who are getting married are going to trend back more towards people who do have a religious faith And people who are traditional and whatever, and people who are more secular are going to over time realize, actually, we don't need to get the state involved. We don't need to actually get married. We can just cohabit and even raise a family and whatever and not have not deal with all that stuff. And I actually think that if I put myself in both framings, that actually makes sense. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a person of faith. Mm -hmm. um, But if I were not, the conclusions I would reach are different to those that I reach as yeah. a person of faith yeah. right if i if i'm getting married to a woman and she is my wife like i those vows are serious this is a vow not just between me and this individual and our families i am i'm making a promise to god here
1: yeah right
0: yeah. i am saying look we are we are coming together we're going to do this richer or poorer sickness and health whatever goes on we're going to have children we're going to bring like this is a real 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 commitment this is not yeah. just Hey, I like you. And I think you're hot and let's give this a shot. And if it doesn't work, we'll just dissolve it all and walk away from it. You know, hopefully the kids won't be like, like there are people who approach it with that second viewpoint. And I think if you're going to approach it with that second viewpoint, I'm like, just don't do it. You know, don't, don't do it. You know, I'm, where I differ with some, some of the traditional conservatives, many of whom I know um, is, they're still very much in the mind frame of pushing marriage to everybody. Everyone should get married, right? Every man, every woman should get married. Um, I don't agree with that. Mm. I don't agree with that. I I think there are people who, you know what, based on your personality, your worldview, your proclivities, like, you know, if you're a man and you cannot keep your, you know, you can't keep your second head under control and Mm. you just cannot resist the urge to sleep with multiple women and do don't get married bro yeah don't do it what like like why if you really really if you genuinely cannot keep that under control no matter how beautiful your wife is no matter what like then just don't get married what's the point of getting married and then causing all this ache and the heartbreak and this and you know just causing all of this damage it's like you know what just go go be single you can even date long term you can do whatever but if that's the way you're wired and you're not doing anything about it and that's your worldview, i'm like just don't don't do it. And yeah,
1: it's that's the same women, I suppose. Like if...
0: I, I, I agree. I yeah. agree. And it might look if you want to just be like this, you know, super independent boss girl and you're terrified of the idea of, you know, submitting to a man or tying, you know, intertwining your lives together um, and or you're not even interested in having children or what. I'm like, OK, you know, that's you're you're an exception. You're oh, you're going to be in the minority, but it's not a tiny minority. It's a significant one. We're talking yeah. millions of people. And I'm just like, you know what, I think we should stop trying to like bully, shame and force people like that to yeah. get married. Because to me, it's just making a mockery of the entire institution, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's like, oh, cool. Like if that's, if you're going to do it, do, do your, do your damnedest to do it, to do it properly and to take those vows seriously and to really make that commitment. And you're going to have the community and families and everyone else who are here to support you. Yeah. Right. I- um, yeah. th- th- that's the way I look at it, right? Go hard or go home, do it properly, or just don't, don't,
1: Yeah, not marriage gets so diluted. Like I saw a video of uh, some wedding vows the other day and they were like, "It was something like, I-, I promise to love you as long as you make me happy or something. And it was just like, if that's <laughs> the basis you're going, if happiness is the basis yeah. for, you know, a long term a decades long relationship, it's never going to work because then no one's going to make you happy all the time. And I've seen like tweets and TikToks from like, you know, you know, like those therapists, people kind of saying, oh, you know, marry as long as, you know, we should have marriages, but you can have like every few years you can talk about whether you want to leave the contract and like making it like a HR type so, deal. So
0: this, exactly. So if your head is already there, if that's your worldview, yeah. I'm just like, don't do it. Yeah. What true. is the benefit of being married versus just having a long-term relation? Because all you're doing at that point is you're reducing marriage to long-term dating. Right. Yeah. You're just saying there's, there's no difference between long-term dating or a long-term relationship and marriage. And if that's your worldview, I'm like, okay, so just do that. The truth, the truth about marriage, again, to me, it's it's got two primary purposes, right? It's a religious covenant. And it's about children. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If we are going to bring children into the world, if I'm going to become a father, if someone's, if a woman's going to become a mother, um, what is best for the children? The best thing for the children is the parents are fa- solidly together. The family is under one roof. The man and women are committed to each other for life. It takes many, many, many decades to raise uh, fully healthy human beings. Mm-hmm. So, this, this is the purpose of it. And that's another part of the conversation, which so often it's, it's amazing how children are just not even considered in some of these conversations. It's like, it's not even it again, it's so solipsistic. It's so me, 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 I, 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 my happiness, me, 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 I, I. And it's like, um, what about those children you've brought into the world? Are we thinking about how and again, people want to jump to exceptions. Oh, Zuby, so you're saying that if the man is beating the wife and is like abusing her and is doing this and this, that she should just stay in it? No, yeah. bro, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying that. But can, we, is, can yeah. we stop jumping to like the most extreme examples to talk about like the norm?
1: Yeah, there was an article in the New York Times, that, like this woman was talking about her divorce and she, it was called like, divorce is a radical act of self-love and she has children and the the no nothing in the article justified the decision other than you know i'm getting a bit bored and i think there's more fun and excitement out there and then she just mentions the fact that she has like two or three children and it's but then but then i wonder is that not an argument because if you say that um you know secular people you know if, if you've not got the worldview to get married don't get married but then aren't we going to have loads of children growing up with just like cohabiting parents
0: don't we already
1: yeah true like
0: what what's what's the difference between that and what we've got now like that yeah. that's the reality of it so that's why you know you were asking me about optimism you know short term i'm pessimistic as, the, as yeah. long as the way as long as the laws the society and the culture remain as they currently are I am, uh, I am, I'm shorting marriage. If if I were a betting man, right. And the technology, like I'm like, Nope. Um, until, until these things get fixed individually or collectively. Um, no, but long-term when it comes to almost everything, I'm long-term optimistic.
1: Okay.
0: Almost everything. If I, if I look at the trajectory of humanity, you know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, the, the the overall stock market, right? It's ge- mm-hmm. it generally trends upwards, and you have corrections, you have recessions, you have cycles. Where you know, I think we're in a massive overcorrection on yeah. everything. I think we're in an overcorrection on gender issues, on racial issues, on financial and economic issues, on housing issues, on mental health issues, on physical health issues. I think we're just in a freaking overcorrection. The West got fat, happy, and complacent, and is now undermining everything that made it so successful to begin with. That's how I view the West, right? So do you think the, my
1: generation has it worst and then it's gonna get better for the next one?
0: Well, your generation simultaneously has it better than every previous generation yeah. and worse. They can, yeah. They're they both true. It depends <laughs> on what you're looking at. Are you talking, looking at life expectancy and health yeah. outcomes? and liberty and freedom and safety yeah. and not being being involved in plagues and wars yep. and that oh. like you yep. oh. <laughs> you 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 literally are like the most privileged generation ever right i'm in one of the most privileged generations ever but if you're talking about relationships and marriage and mental well-being and uh you know thing even things like food and you know what people are putting in their bodies like all of this stuff it's like whoa there's all these new challenges that people's grandparents and great grandparents didn't mm. necessarily have to deal with. So I think we're just in this massive overcorrection. When I look at the West, the greatest threat to the West or to the USA, to the UK, whatever, to these individual countries, it's themselves. It's not oh foreign invaders or yeah. like a plague is going to wipe us out or famine or it, it. It's like we're like I said we're we're, we're fat, we're happy, we're complacent. Um, we don't need God anymore. Literally, we're rejecting God. We don't need that anymore. We're rejecting family. We don't need that anymore. We're rejecting all the things that keep, if you imagine, imagine a table with like four legs, you're, you're breaking off each of the legs Mm -hmm. and expecting the table to stay standing. Yeah. Right. So whether or not someone believes in God, you know, for someone listening, I don't care whether or not you believe in God and that, you know, Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior, but if you are from the uk if you are from the u.s if western european countries, these are countries founded on christian ideals and principles yeah they are right and even in everything from the laws to like like it's all yeah. infused in that even if you yourself individually are not a believer you cannot deny yeah the history right like it, it's there right you see what are the grandest and most beautiful buildings in our nations they are churches and cathedrals yeah. right what what is what's every hospital named after saint mary saint george like it's it's like it's so infused and it's like there's just this sort of cultural amnesia of just like ah, oh, we don't need do we really need fathers do we need god do we need like do kids even need two pairs are there even two genders like do like every, every i think that's why it's so deranging you know Douglas yeah. Murray talks about this right like like yeah. a, 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 you know it's it's just deranging because there's no the platform is very wobbly because the, the the you know like all these things just keep getting attacked like truth itself is under attack right is, is there really truth isn't there like your truth and my I truth
1: it's like overthinking like like you were saying focus on the self like all of these things mm-hmm whether it's why relationships aren't working or whether it's like mental health issues or even like the gender dysphoria trans stuff so much of it is having the comfort and the time to think so much about yourself that it just drives people to the absolute extreme of every issue like there's so many studies showing that actually you know caring for other people is what makes people happy we know that is what helps our well-being but for some reason we think we're going to find happiness or like true empowerment or our true identity if we just keep thinking about ourselves Mm -hmm. like i always think like this generation is the the most focused on the self than any other generation and yet we're also the most anxious depressed confused about our identity whatever it is than ever before so there's clearly something in that
0: Yeah, it's interesting because to me that's not a despite; it's a because.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. It, it, it's it's like you know, th- th- this is why I use the term you know like sort of fat, happy, and complacent because mm-hmm. you know when you know people use the term first world problems, and yeah. the reason people say that is because if you go to parts of the world where people are still genuinely struggling mm-hmm. to, to meet to meet the basics these conversations are not happening. This is not a thing. No one's questioning how many genders there are. Nobody's question. What is a woman? What is a man? Um, Is marriage a good thing? Should we reproduce like none of these things? It's freaking obvious, right? And it's funny for me because, you know, with my background, I'm I grew up with heavy exposure to four quite drastically different cultures. So my family is from Nigeria. both parents, you know, all wider family were from Nigeria. Um, I was born in the UK, so I'm British. I grew up in Saudi Arabia and mm-hmm. I went to an American school and was surrounded by Americans. and even now, many years later, you know, my biggest audience for my music, my podcast, everything I do, it's America. I spend a lot of time in the US. So it, it's interesting for me because I'm in some ways I'm very Western. And in yeah. some ways absolutely not right so like I, I i kind of pick and choose from the best of each of these worlds right i look at nigeria i look at saudi arabia and i'm like what are the things that this these cultures are getting right what are, yeah. what are the things that like they're really getting right and are really solid and stable and whatever and then i look at the west and i'm like okay what are the things that are really good about the usa even if i compare the us and uk there's things that are in in the uk that i think are way better than in the US. And there's things in the US that I think are way better than in the UK. So when I form my worldview or when I travel to any country I travel to, I'm always sort of mentally observing Mm -hmm. and cherry picking the things that are functioning and the things that are not functioning. So my worldview isn't kind of like a simple sort of right wing or left wing worldview or simply like you know conservative or Republican or Democrat or Tory or whatever. It's this sort of hybrid of like okay i'm very you know generally very you know pro pro liberty and freedom and government not be overbearing and get involved in all our stuff and whatever but also having very strong moral cultural mm-hmm. social boundaries and values and aspirations and things that are we can collectively believe are inherently good and that we're we're striving towards Yeah, right. And I think that if you were to go back a few decades ago, I think both the UK and USA, right? I think if you go back a few decades ago, I like to say that in the sort of, you know, these were not a perfect time periods, but I often say that, like, I think the balance was about right in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. there there was this balance between liberalism and conservatism that Mm -hmm. was like, optimal. I think if you look at, um, I'm a big fan of Central and Eastern European countries, because I think they've still got this balance. Um, I think certain parts of central and South America, like they, they've got this balance between, okay, we're not like so hardline conservative that we're like smashing down people's civil rights and freedoms that we have like unfair inequalities and mystery, like, like, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that stuff, which by the way, the West also went through, right? Mm -hmm. USA extremely obvious, right? It took a long time for everyone to get the same equal rights. Um, but also we're not going to go so far left that we're like trying to abolish genders and we're trying to like we're just navel gazing on all these issues and you know there's no truth and everything is feelings and we can't even be honest because it might upset people and we need to change the language and we need to police this and it's it's i don't know maybe all of human history um we've always struggled to find balance as societies
1: it's funny because it's like in the west it's we've got amazing thing that we view each other as individuals and we have individual ambitions, and you know, it, it's not like we're viewed as identity group. Well, we didn't not we didn't used to be. We are now, but the but then, so there's there's great aspect to individualism, but then it's just become so distorted to the point where we have no collectivist kind of inkling within us where we're like, okay, I'm going to put myself second. It's like even if things like. um having children it's it's so kind of hard for young people to comprehend because of the amount they would have to sacrifice themselves because that individualism has been so instilled in them and I think I I do because obviously your upbringing is unique that you've been you've seen different cultures but I do kind of feel for young people who've only grown up in this hyper individualistic western society because from every angle you're just being told put yourself first you know never you know cut out anyone who's toxic never take on any responsibility that's like bad for your mental health and I think if you've not seen like traditional collectivist culture you don't even know that that's a thing it's just not your natural way of viewing the world um so I, I do kind of think we're almost victims of that culture in a sense, because we're, we're missing out on meaningful things because we've had it so drilled into us. Put yourself first, put yourself first. And so many of us are going to miss out on children or marriage or whatever it is that, you, you know, take some sacrifice of the self.
0: I agree with you totally on that, Freya. Um, <laughs> I've said this before on another podcast. I think the two values that need to be brought back Now, I Mm. might add a third one. Um, I've I've talked about accountability already, but I think two values, and it's interesting because when I listen to conversations or I hear public discourse, there's two words I notice that I almost never hear anymore. Mm. And I think if you were to just rewind a few decades ago, you would have heard them very often, whether you're an American or you're a Brit. And those values are honor and duty. Mm. I don't hear those conversations. I hear about I hear about rights i sometimes hear about responsibility um i hear about you know freedom i hear about liberty i hear about free speech i hear, but this concept that is human beings that we have that we should be honorable and so we should there's some things we just shouldn't do because they're dishonorable
1: yeah, right? yeah.
0: there's things yes they there so that the concept of honor has has gone out the window and then the idea of duty the idea that look you're not always individualism is good to a degree, right? I'm very individualistic in certain ways, but I feel very strong duties, right? I have, I have certain duties of things I should do and things that I should not do. And there's a certain code of honor, right? I carry my family name, yeah, right? So when I act in the world, I'm not just Zuby, right? I'm, and I'm from a giant family, right? So I would not want to bring dishonor upon Mm -hmm. not just myself, but my family name. And I think, again, that's something that, that, that concept is like so foreign to most young Westerners, but these are the, these are the boundaries that outside the sort of legal system have always kept societies functioning and kept people in place. The idea of, no, you don't do that. Right. That's dishonorable. You don't say that. Right. That's, that's not the honorable thing to do. Hey, look, sometimes you're not going to get your own way. Sometimes you do have to sacrifice your short, short term, pleasure or hedonism or whatever it is for a greater good for yeah. a greater goal. Um I think this got weaponized against people in the in the pandemic. Maybe that's the only time I'd like kind of seen it yeah. come out again, right? Yeah. They sort of weaponized uh these old ideas. But yeah. I think this 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 comes back into the conversations of, you know, how men and women should behave towards each other, people's attitudes towards marriage, people's attitudes towards bringing a child. Look, I'm not a parent yet in the next few years i'm almost certain i will be but um i i recognize that look i've been self-employed since 2011. i haven't had a boss a manager like well i, I do what i want i travel where i want I, whatever city whatever country i'm like very much a free bird mm. i'm very hyper conscious and aware that when i get married and have a family and bring children into the world I'm going to, I'll still be doing some of the things I'm doing, but I'm going to have a duty. I'm going to have to take on this greater duty, this greater responsibility because it's not just me. I now have dependence. I've got people relying on me. So I've got a duty and I'm going to need to sacrifice. I'm sure there'll be things that I'm like, oh, you know, like it would have been fun to do that, but I have to make the sacrifice because the duty takes precedence over all the little things that I want to do or all the fun things I want. And I think that I really think that needs to come back. I think the idea of, you know, I do think it should be if a man or a woman leaves, leaves a marriage and breaks their contract because of some frivolous reason, right? Some, some nonsense, not some extreme situation, some nonsense, right? Like that should be frowned upon.
1: Yeah. That should be
0: considered, it should be considered despondent. I'm not saying like, you know, you exile this person off to an Island or something, but like it, it shouldn't just be the case that like, Oh yeah, you go. girl, Yeah. You, you, you know, you re you reinforce that attitude. You reinforce yeah. the bad behaviors. You, you reward people for being dishonorable. Right. I don't think that go, that's good. And you see it across everything, even just with, um, you see it with politicians, you see it with the media, you see it with everyday people. Like people are okay with lying. You're not meant to lie, not yeah. to pick it like it's immoral. And also it's dishonorable. There should just be a code of conduct. Look, like Jordan Peterson says, tell the truth or at least don't lie. Yeah, I'm very much a man of my word. If I give someone my word, if I make a promise, if I say something, I will, I will abide by. I will, I will do my best to pursue the truth and to tell the truth. I'm not going to sit here on a podcast. I'm not going to sit there on Twitter. I'm not going to sit there in front of your face or anyone else's face and just lie to you and yeah. say things that I know we're not. And it's just because again, it's become so normalized to to do that. And no one wants to call it out and go, wait, hang on. No, you can't just like, you run a newspaper. You can't just be publishing false articles and misleading headlines or whatever. You're a politician, you say you're gonna do something, we're gonna hold your feet to the fire and you stand by your word. And there's just no accountability, there's no honor, there's no duty, There's, there's all these things are just imploding. And I think that's why, I think that's kind of a common thread throughout yeah. all of these problems.
1: And I think the culture gives you excuses now, like, you know, if you behave in a way that's, um, you know, you're not maintaining your duty to someone, you're not being respectful. You know, there's the feminism saying, oh, you know, that's empowering. There's a way to spin that. Um, but there's also like this therapy culture, which hands you all of these excuses. You know, you were traumatised, you have this diagnosis. You're, And I, I don't think that that, helps young people I don't think it serves young people because it gives us endless reasons to say this is why I fell short this is why I let someone down you know even things like you know I didn't um, break up with someone properly I just ghosted them because of my anxiety or something it just they just hand us a load of reasons why we can avoid that duty but I do think sometimes it's just you you owe someone something out of decency and respect and we we don't have the language for that anymore because we don't have religion so when someone says that you can so easily rationalize them out of it you can say well you know you, you don't know them you never have to speak to them again you can just ghost them but we've lost that sense of you no know, you owe someone something um and i don't think you can get that back without religion i do think mm. it needs to be there needs to be a higher duty to something above yourself. And if you don't have that, then anything can be justified and rationalized. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I think those are very important observations, Freya. Um, I've described it to people like like this. Um, and, you know, it's it, these conversations are interesting because, you know, I know that thousands of people listening to this are people of faith and thousands of people are not. And thousands of people are agnostic, right? I've got a very... Diverse audience in the true sense, and the the way I've explained this to people, um, you know, regardless of someone's beliefs or lack thereof, is that there always has to be something at the top of the hierarchy. Mm. So, if you are a religious person, whether you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, you're you're a Jew, you know, whatever, what's at the top of the hierarchy? The the top of the hierarchy when it comes to um, power and when it comes to good and when it comes, you know, the top of the hierarchy is God. God is above yourself. God is above the government. God is above any other ideology or political philosophy or anything like that, right? God is, God is above capitalism. God is just at the top, right? That's the greatest good. And the thing is, if you, from a purely logical and rational perspective, is if you, like if you just imagine a hierarchy, right? Like think, think of that tree. If you remove God, hypothetically something still has to be at the top of it. Yeah. Just, just rationally speaking, there has to be something there. Now, now, someone could say that for them, it is uh, science or it's empiricism. For someone else, it might be a uh, critical theory. It might be gender ideology. It might be feminism, right? There's people who absolutely, as women who absolutely, feminism is their religion. They mm-hmm. view the entire world through a feminist lens. There's people who view the entire world through a racial there has to be something at the top, right? There, it could be, it could be yourself, right? Okay, I'm at the top, yeah. but that can lead to, that can lead to narcissism, it can lead to hedonism, it can lead to nihilism. It could just be, well, what's the point of it, right? If we're just a bunch of apes, right, that have yeah. evolved over m- millions of years on a spinning rock that's flying around a glowing fiery ball, and we're just animals, and beyond some fluffy idea of consciousness, right? We're no greater than any other animal. Then it leads to a lot of the weird conclusions that that we're getting to. Because at that point, you, you can rationalize almost everything, right? You can just be like, well, exactly. we put down animals. Why can't we put down humans? Yes. Right? And this is happening. This is happening in parts of Europe. This is happening in Canada or whatever. It's like, well, if you no longer believe that human beings have an element of God infused in them, if you don't believe that we have a soul, if you don't believe that we human life itself is sacred, then it naturally leads to many of these other worldviews just from a very sort of logical perspective um so I think that's where we are i I don't think um I saw this article by um Louise Perry
1: mm. who
0: which was really interesting where she was basically you know she's she's not a she's not a believer herself, but she was basically saying like we're basically picking between Christianity and paganism right Uh, like you you, did did you read that and i thought that was such an interesting article because it's like it's spot on you can't just have this sort of vacuum and what we've also seen is that when you have that vacuum it does not get filled in with totally rational thinking and um you know science and no it's not the religious people who are out there saying that there's infinite genders and that men can get prey i don't know there's no no serious religious person believes any of that so it's funny because you know, we may get criticized because people are, oh, well, you are you know, you're not rooted in science. And then at the same time, you've got people like freaking Neil deGrasse Tyson and all these like science science people who are out there talking about like, well, yeah, a woman can have a penis and a man can get pregnant. And and I'm like, or all the covid stuff. And I'm just like, wait, this makes you, you think this is scientific and rational and logical the way that you're behaving. So, you yeah. know, you can't the truth is you can't get the religiosity out of human beings. We're religious creatures and something's always going to be in there.
1: And you're right about the, you know, anything can be rationalised, which is why some of these arguments, there's like top academics arguing these things and they've reached there through kind of rationalising, through some sort of logic, they reach these conclusions like, you know, there's no such thing as biological sex, something like that. And you can see how people would be drawn to it because they are kind of using... Rationality, in a way, but it's like, like you said, anything can be rationalized. And where do we end up? Yeah, I have
0: had I've I've had conversations with people, and there are, quote unquote, moral and ethical philosophers. You know, hello, Peter Singer, who Mm. rationalize and justify infanticide. Mm. (laughs) I've had conversations with people in the real world. Not many. I've had conversations with people who otherwise are sane. Who are completely irreligious you know who are very fo- follow the science types of people and they think that infanticide is justifiable especially in certain conditions
1: On what grounds? And what ground like the... okay
0: so you know no secret to anybody i'm i'm pro-life you know mm. i think i think abortion is wrong um i think it's immoral you're killing a human being innocent human being intentionally i think that's wrong um there i'm sure you've heard the argument that you know my body my choice i'm sure you've heard the arguments for abortion up until the point of birth right with no limits i'm sure you've heard those yeah. arguments okay mm-hmm. so the question even from a pro life perspective is well what's what's so magical about the birth canal right like whether you kill the child at 38 weeks inside the womb or outside what's the difference you're doing the same thing same stage of development same Mm -hmm. human being, same everything, right? Um, What's the difference? So the flip side of the pro-life argument is like, yeah, what's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference between terminating, quote unquote, terminating a pregnancy, right? Killing, Killing a child at 37, 36, 37, 38, whatever weeks versus doing it after they're born. You can make virtually all the same arguments, right? So someone like Peter Singer is like, yeah, well, the logical follow through is up until the child has reached some point of what we'll call like memory development or consciousness or whatever. Right. Cause you, you can make an argument that, you know, a newborn is not exactly like self-aware yeah. and whatever. Right. Yeah. You know, so his, their argument is that personhood, right. Cause they separate humanity from person and they'll say, well, you might not be a person until six months or maybe two years old or whatever. Once you start forming your own memories Having your own experiences with people and whatever, like that's the argument that they make. It's a very rational sort of progressive. If you accept their original axioms, this is where you end up. And this is not something new. Infanticide has has happened all through human history. I remember growing up, you know, not that long ago, China got rid of their one child policy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they only got rid of it in the two thousands, right? But I remember when you know in the in the nineties and in the early two thousands, whatever, like thousands, millions of people in China were just abandoning their children on the side of the road or just dropping them off in forests or whatever. A lot of children that were adopted from China to parts of the West were children who were just, just newborn babies just found abandoned, right? Because the government says you can only have one child. So, yeah. you know, a woman has second. And they, they just abandon it. It's happened in lots of different cultures, lots of places around the world. Like infanticide is not some... It's not some new thing human beings have reached that conclusion before and we're going back to this morality or lack thereof where Mm -hmm. such things can be justified right i'm sure you've seen the people who advocate for euthanasia again it started with okay we're just this is just for people with like extreme terminal cancer and their excruciating pain or what now you've got people who are still in their teens you've got people in their early 20s who are being euthanized for mental health reasons there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the right. Like this is real. It's happening right now. Canada, in some parts of Canada,
1: Canada. this is
0: one of the leading causes of death. Think really? about that.
1: Oh my god! Yeah.
0: There's parts of Canada where they call it made medically medical assistance and uh, dying. Yeah. There's parts of Canada where the thousands of people, right? It's it's re- being recommended to like a, you're a military veteran with PTSD or whatever. Like they literally will recommend. Well, here's one option and i'm just like okay like we're going dark like this is this is this is dark i know there's people i've had conversations with people who think that hey this is okay and you know um or that that's like the ultimate freedom right if you have all these other freedoms you should be allowed to decide when and how you die and whatever and this is when i'm just like yo this is not the society and culture i want to live in right like i i'm not we're, we're we're on a very dark path once you start justifying this stuff and arguing for it and rationalizing it. Whatever your belief system, I'm just like, guys, that can, can we not can we not at least say like th- this is not a good we're, we're starting to get into like very dark, like very, very dark territory.
1: Because it's always the issues that start from a place of compassion. The compassion just gets like you feel compassionate for someone with terminal cancer, which leads you to justify euthanasia, which leads to this extreme position. And then it's the same with the kind of trans debates. Like you have compassion for young people who've got gender dysphoria, which leads you on to completely denying that biological sex exists. Or you've got like compassion for women who've been through sexual assault and then that becomes like believe every woman who ever it's kind of like I've written before about how um it's almost like if we're gonna talk about toxic masculinity, there's also kind of like a toxic femininity which is you know if toxic masculinity is caring too little the flip side is caring too much where your compassion just gets more and more extreme to the point where it's actually really dark the end result is really dark but it started from a place of you know i feel for these people for for vulnerable people and i don't think people realize that 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 can happen like just because it looks like the most kind thing to do it does not mean that we won't end up in this like dystopian scenario, which is happening in so many different areas.
0: It really is. I think a lot of those ideas also stem from the idea that, um, and you know, I've spoken to people who consider themselves secular humanists. Mm. And one of the very sort of popular views that you hear from them is um, everything is about minimizing suffering, right? Yeah. Minimizing Minimizing human suffering. So it's this idea that, we're not, you know, suffering is something to always be avoided, sometimes Mm -hmm. no matter the cost, even if the cost is death, right? People shouldn't suffer. So that sounds noble on a very surface level. But when you think of it in depth, it can reach really gnarly conclusions.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Because if someone is going through sort of some sort of physical pain, or mental pain, um, number one, that this isn't just part of the human experience, um, and something that we can embrace and learn from and mm-hmm. is a challenge. Um, but th- but then it's just like, okay, well, we need to alleviate that at all, at all costs. Right. So if some, you know, you, you can take the more mild examples, right. You, you've met, you brought up gender dysphoria. So mm-hmm. the whole idea of this, like affirming thing is look, this person is, suffering with this idea or this identity crisis. Yeah. Um therefore we need to alleviate the suffering. Therefore we need to affirm their delusion. We need to now deny reality. We need to go against biology. We need to start like doing these experiments whether this is hormonal or whether this is surgical or whether this is the language that people use. Whatever it is, we yeah. need to do every So I agree with you that it's like taking a it's like taking a positive human instinct, which is compassion, but then sort of like hijacking it and taking it to such an extreme that you now start doing really, sometimes, yeah, sometimes just silly things. Yeah, but oftentimes, like really dark and morbid things Mm -hmm. where it's like, Oh, well, this person is really suffering with depression and PTSD and all these other things. And, you know, wouldn't wouldn't the kind thing be for them to just like you know end it all wouldn't would its isn't isn't that the and also from the liberty angle right sort of like who are you to? They, they use they like the word force right who are you to force this person to go through this thing who are you to force this person to go through with this anguish and so i think that's the that's the thread i see through a lot of those through a lot of those topics and um I think again with the increased secularization, in in your words, people don't have this the language or the correct framework to think about these outside any any boundaries beyond you know hard science and hard rationality and you know logical conclusions mm. that are completely devoid of any aspect of something being sacred um, yeah. or life, human life itself having like a really you know be being different from other animals and yeah. set apart right like because c- because that's the thing it, it's interesting because um I, I notice like when I talk to when I talk to people who are like fully atheistic, meaning that they're not even agnostic right they don't they don't even like to sort of entertain the ideas of God and religiosity is they're very careful to or afraid of invoking any type of religious language so words like sacred yeah. words like soul obviously the word god um they you know they'll refer they they might refer to the, the universe or you know obviously evolution and this and this but like they don't want to the, the way i view it is like I, I i view it almost like forcing yourself to see the world in black and white yeah, or gray, you know, in grayscale, right? Yeah. So it, it's almost like like you're you're artificially limiting the potential things that could be going on. You brought this point up earlier when people are talking about mental health. Mm. There hap- people are happy to talk about um people are happy to talk about certain things. They're happy to talk about um, drugs that people could be using and the effect that you know maybe the antidepressants or SSRIs or whatever it is. They're happy to talk about that. They're mm-hmm. happy to talk about technology and the impact of social media. Um, They're happy to talk about the climate change anxiety. They're happy to talk about the housing crisis and the cost of living crisis and how this can affect people mentally. They're very afraid to talk about um, broken families and the impact of that or the impact of fatherlessness. And they're even more afraid to talk about the uh, absence of religiosity and the declining religion. And this is even funnier because even according to the most secular, completely non-religious studies is religious people on average are happier. Yeah. Religious people on average do live longer. They are more likely to have successful marriages. They are more likely to have children and have more of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, none of this should be surprising, right? It's kind of obvious, but like all of these things are known, but now we can't, we can't, we can't talk about that. Right. As soon as you, as soon as you say the word God, you're the weird person in the room. We can't. Mm -hmm. We're past that. We can't even, we can't even like intellectually consider such an um,
1: aversion to it. Like, no, it's it's an, yeah. People, the culture is just, I feel like it's become so, um, such like if you're not raised in a religious household, when people use religious language, it's like a real aversion to their argument. Um, but I, I come across so many things where. They can be justified and rationalized, but something in me is just like there's something wrong about that. Like I was watching a debate about um, artificial wombs, and this guy was kind of giving rational arguments why we could have artificial wombs. That kind of there was logic to them, but if you're not religious, it's really hard to express actually. No, there's there's something sacred about the women holding having exactly. baby in her womb
0: but exactly you have same to with the surrogacy start. conversation
1: yeah then you have to start using language like you know your, the souls are connected because there's no other language to describe it mm-hmm. and so thank god yeah so we lose if you're not religious you kind of lose that argument because you can't invoke those words and so you just get someone can rationalize it and you just have to go along with it Um, There is something, I do really feel like there's something, you know, when you just sense that something is going against human nature. And even if you can't find a rational argument, it's just like, we should not be going there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And do you know why I believe that exists is because human beings are made in the image of God. Yeah. And we do have, we do have something within our hearts, our consciousness, our soul which determines everyone has, a, you know, people use the term moral compass, right? We have we have a moral compass. If you look at other animals, it's not mor- it's not a moral compass, right? It's just like survival and instinct, right? Yeah. It's not like okay, we need it, 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 that. That's really what it comes down to. And human beings have that in our nature. We have an animalistic nature, but even within us, even the most even like criminals, even people who do horrible things, even. They know that they're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? Unless you have someone who's a true, true, true psychopath. They've got like some proper mental illness, right? They still know right from wrong. They choose to do wrong and they choose to engage in it. And all of us do this to some extent. And again, from a Christian perspective, this is because of original sin. This is due to, you know, we have free will. So we have the choice to do right. We have the choice to do wrong. But that is ultimately our choice. But we know. So that that sensation you're talking about you are absolutely correct it's interesting i don't know if you've ever heard of the concept of um what do they call it i think it's called the wisdom of revulsion
1: no I've heard of
0: it which is that there okay the idea of the wisdom of revulsion i think it's called that is that there are certain things that you can just you can just hear or see and you might not be able to articulate exactly why something is morally wrong or mm-hmm. why it shouldn't be done right you you brought this up with the artificial womb yeah. right so outside of using any type of religious language or talking about souls or talking about playing god or anything um from a hard rational perspective this person talking might sound right but you have the wisdom of revulsion even you don't you don't need to be uh religious to have this right like you just hear something and you know it's wrong
1: yeah you might yeah. not
0: be able to articulate exactly why right like and you see this right someone might come out there and have some, uh, cause you know, someone might, someone might be wanting to, oh gosh, I don't even want to like talk about certain things. Cause they're so gross. Right. Someone might be trying to justify necrophilia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know, you have a, a an intense revulsion of just like that is morally and ethically wrong. It's mm-hmm. not wrong because like, you know, um uh, like you know, consent or harm or like like it's just like you like no that's wrong that's disgusting you don't start transplanting human wombs you don't start just like uh mm-hmm. do it, like some of the, some of the surgeries that they're doing with like this transgender like if you i don't know if you've ever actually seen like what they really do it's like no like this this is not yeah. right like yeah. this this is just wrong like that so that that's the concept of wisdom of revulsion just like you may not be able to perfectly articulate why something is immoral or why something is wrong or why something be done, but just in your gut, in your soul, you know, ew, like, that's yeah. no, like, that's not, that's not right.
1: Have you read Jonathan Heights book? I think it's in, is it in the righteous mind where he, mm-hmm. he does examples of that? And some of them like, like he, like he talks about like siblings, they had sex with each other. yeah, They, they're not going to have children or anything. What's wrong with it? Yep. And that it can be rationalized
0: out. But easily, the easily. love is love, love is love. Um, yeah. Consenting adults like who is none of your business. It's their private lives. Yeah, it, it, easy.
1: And then that is what we're seeing with this kind of social liberalism is that it just keeps going. It just keeps trundling on, justifying everything and rationalizing each next step. And it, it, it is endless because yeah without that religious language we don't have we don't actually have a strong argument against a lot of this stuff because yeah they they have the rationality on their side and when you start talking about souls and the feeling it looks like you're losing the argument Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, yeah because people just will mock anything that sounds religious
0: yeah we're we're in interesting times Freya we've gone on for like twice as long as i normally do in my podcast but it's been such it's been such an interesting conversation and there have been so many diversions i feel like we could talk for another few hours yeah. um but i know you said that you are feeling somewhat pessimistic about it all mm-hmm. um but what do you think okay sp- speaking specifically to your generation
1: yeah
0: what do you think that um what what do you think okay actually you know what let me change this question. Not even explicitly thinking talking to your generation, but talking to your generation and to older ones. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you think we can do in a society and as individuals to help Gen Z win? Like how can how can we support and just create a better environment and climate on all of these different issues mm-hmm. and more? to ensure that the, the the younger generations are the future. So we want to empower people in the true sense and help people to win. What can be done?
1: Well, I think a lot of what you were saying, I was just thinking about it. Like, I do just think young people are, are lied to very often out of compassion or out of not wanting to kind of hurt feelings. And I think that's happening with all of the issues we've spoken about. You know, you, they're being lied to that you know the gender stuff that you're never going to find love and loyalty from anyone and you should just give up they're being lied to that you know you can you don't have to have a sense of duty you can blame it on your mental health you can blame it on society you know I, I feel young people both men and women are kind of craving that honesty um Even if they don't know that's what they're craving, like we can see it with young men being drawn to Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson and people who are actually saying some honest truths. And I think young women want that as well, because we're being lied to constantly. You know, we're being told that empowerment is, like we said, being some toxic, (laughs) toxic girl boss man with all those traits. We're being told that we'll be happier if we never commit to anyone, if we just You know, spend our lives working and buying more stuff instead of actually, you know, being selfless and caring for other people. And so I think just in so many aspects of life, young people are not being told the truth about what will make them happy and actually what makes a good person. Because, like all of that feminist stuff, telling women that anything they do is empowering and forgivable. I think young people need a bit more like, no, not every hedonistic impulse you have is a good thing. Um, And I think a lot of it comes down to older generations being kind of more involved in the lives of younger generations. So we have like this decline in intergenerational living, extended families. So young people aren't growing up with that kind of honest guidance from, from the older relatives in their family. Um, so I think men need that from fathers. Women need that from mothers and matriarchs. Um, and yeah, I think it's missing. I think most narratives in modern life are lying to young people in one way or another. It's very depressing. <laughs> <laughs> know.
0: We're going we're gonna to make it better. It's, it's coming. It's all coming. It's all coming. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, just to add to that, I would say, I think people need to really lead by example. Yes, um, yeah. it's it's. I think it's always been popular to criticize younger generations. People, you know, made fun of Gen X and then made fun of millennials. And now it's like, oh, what are these Zoomers up to? Um, but it's like, look, who creates the culture and society and families and nations that young people are born into? Yeah. Right. It's a combination of their parents, their family, the wider society and culture around them. So I think we all have a role to play. Um, I'm a very imperfect man, but I do my best to lead people by example in various things, whether it's health and fitness or entrepreneurship or telling the truth and just speaking honestly about Mm -hmm. these issues and having these conversations in good faith with people you agree with or disagree with. I do my best to set that example. Um, And I think everyone in their own field, in their own families, in their own nations, in their own neighborhoods, whatever they are, I think older people need to just set that, set a better example. I think that's what it is. Older, younger generations always learn from older generations. So I think if younger generations are not behaving in good ways or are getting the wrong lessons, we need to all recognize, okay, well, they're getting that from somewhere. So let's shift those narratives.
1: And a bit more, you know, optimism, like we were saying about, you know, the, the, the benefits of marriage and the joys of it and the kind of things that young people can aspire to that have deeper meaning you know making those things attractive um i think yeah like i was saying matriarchs and and father figures for men who are glamorizing you know real things that do actually enrich your life um whether it's family or community or faith you know things that aren't as sexy to kind of sell to young people but we know through so many studies through so much research that that is actually what makes would would make us happy
0: amen freya Mm -hmm. where can people find and follow you online
1: uh they can find me on twitter it's freya india eh? um or they can go to FreyaIndia.co.uk, which is my sub stack awesome
0: (laughs) been so good to talk to you um it's been a really insightful conversation and keep fighting the good fight
1: thank you i will (laughs) you too (laughs)
0: Sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame.